Hello and welcome to JG Ministries Bible Study, where we study God's Word. I'm Jeffrey, minister and chaplain at JG Ministries, and I'm glad to have you. Be sure to follow this podcast and you'll receive notifications every time there's a new podcast. Well, we are studying the book of Luke. We are going to start to unpack chapter 8. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to chapter 8 and we'll begin with verse 1. Let's get into it. Now, last time we ended, we had just finished chapter 7 with a sinful woman anointing Jesus and Jesus giving us the parable of the two debtors. Now, beginning here in chapter 8, we'll see women ministering to Jesus and we'll see his parable of the sower. So let's turn to our Bibles and to the first verse. Many women minister to Jesus. Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Now I'm going to stop there. We'll take a look at these three verses, and then we'll continue. So in verses 1 to 3, it is good to remember that the Gospels contain only a few incidences from the life and the ministry of our Lord. The, only Spirit select, the Holy Spirit selected those subjects which he chose to include, but passed over many others. The opening verses provide a summary of yet another preaching tour. Luke states Jesus' mission, both in that passage and here, as announcing the good news of the kingdom of God. And Luke is careful to mention the 12 here, as they will serve as witnesses and authorities in the days following Jesus' ascension. And here we have a simple statement that Jesus ministered with his disciples in every city and village of Galilee. And as he preached and announced the good news of the kingdom of God, he was ministered to probably in the way of food and lodging, by women who had been blessed by him. What is new is the mention of several women who not only accompanied Jesus, but shared his support. And Jesus' relationship with them is morally pure. These women were industrious, and they helped in the support not only of Jesus, but also of the 12 disciples. And some of these women had a great debt of love to Jesus, such as, for instance, we have Mary Magdalene, who was an object of grace and power of God in being released from seven demons. Now, some think she was a title lady from Magdala or Migdal, but at any rate, she had been wonderfully delivered from these seven demons. We have Joanna. And it's mostly unknown of her, but her husband was Herod's steward, whose name was Chusa. She is probably the one present at the crucifixion, showing her faithfulness. She is the first person connected with the Herodian household that is mentioned in this gospel. We also have Susanna. She was another woman that supported Jesus, and there were many others, the Bible says. 
But their kindness to our Lord did not go unnoticed, nor did it go unrecorded. Little did they think, as they shared their possessions with Jesus, that Christians of all subsequent ages would read of their generosity, generosity and of their hospitality. The subject of the Lord's ministry was the good news of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God means the realm, visible or invisible, where God's rule is acknowledged. And Matthew uses the term the kingdom of heaven, but the thought is the same. It simply means that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, or heaven rules. Now, there are various stages of development of the kingdom in the New Testament. Now, first of all, the kingdom was announced by John the Baptist as being at hand. Secondly, then the kingdom was actually present in the person of the king. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. This was the good news of the kingdom, which Jesus announced. He offered himself as Israel's king. Now, thirdly, we see the kingdom of God rejected by the nation of Israel. And today the kingdom is is in mystery form. Christ the King is temporarily absent, but his rule is acknowledged in the hearts of some of the people on earth. In one sense, the kingdom today embraces all who even profess to accept the rule of God, even if they are not truly converted. This sphere of outward profession is seen in the parable of the sower and the seed, the wheat and the tares, the fish and the dragnet. But in its deeper, truer sense, the kingdom includes only those who have been converted. This is the sphere of inward reality. Now, next we have the kingdom will one day be set up in a literal sense here on earth. And the Lord Jesus will reign for 1,000 years as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And lastly, the final phase is what is known as the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the kingdom in eternity. Now that's going to end the first three verses. Now let's go back to our scriptures and let's pick up the parable of the sower. So I want to read the next four verses here. And when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, looking at verses 4 through 8 here and the next four verses together, the parable of the sower describes the kingdom in its present aspect. It teaches us that the kingdom of God includes profession as well as reality, and it forms the basis for a very solemn warning as to how we hear the word of God. It is no light thing to hear the scriptures preached and being taught. Those who hear are made more responsible than they ever were before. If they shrug off the message or consider obedience an optional matter, they do so to their own loss. 
But if they hear and they obey, they put themselves in a position to receive more light from God. The parable was spoken here to a great multitude. Then it's explained to the disciples. The parable told of a sower, his seed, four kinds of soil that received a seed and four results. And in verse 4, teaching by using parables was common among the rabbis of Jesus' day. And the sweet sequence is this. The first one, the parable of the sower. The second one, Jesus' reason for using parables. And third, the interpretation of the parable of the sower. Now, each part deals with the mixed response Jesus was receiving from his audiences. Jesus explains the present parable and his reasons for using the parabolic form, both to warn those who neglect the word that they hear and to encourage his disciples when that world or when that word is not fully accepted. Now Luke begins with an observation on the size of the crowds and adds a comment about those who were coming to Jesus town after town. The effect is to help the reader visualize a large mixed group of people that represent various types of soil in this parable. So when we get into verses 5 to 8, this particular parable reflects a situation well known to the audience. And its details would have immediately been grasped by the hearers of that day. The very fact that circumstances so familiar needed still further comment before the spiritual meaning was clear underlines the paradox presented in verse 10 that will be coming up. Namely, those who see and hear do not understand. The focal point of the parable has been variously interpreted. In none of the Gospels is the sower center of attention nor is particular stress laid uh, on the seed, though it does represent the word of God. And the whole act of sowing the seed is proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. What does catch attention is the variety of the soils. The sower himself is not immediately concerned about the kind of soil, since plowing followed sowing in Jesus's culture the trampled ground where people cross the field might later be plowed under with seed, so it's not excluded from the sowing. The same could be true of young thorn bushes. Furthermore, the rocky subsoil might not be visible at the time of sowing. The low yield from the poor soil is overshadowed by the very large yield from the good soil. An encouragement for Jesus' disciples to realize that the ultimate greatness of the kingdom will make all their efforts worthwhile. And the Lord ended the parable with the words, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, when you hear the word of God, be careful what kind of reception that you give it. The seed must fall onto good ground in order to become fruitful. So we had the four kinds of soil. We got the wayward and the result of the wayward soils trampled by men and devoured by birds. Then we have rock, which is, the result was it withered away for lack of moisture. And then we have the thorns, where growth choked by thorns. And fourthly, we had the good ground, which yielded 100 grains for each seed. 
Now, getting into um, verses 9 and 10 here. Here in Luke, the disciples' question refers only to this parable, not to Jesus' larger ministry. When his disciples inquired concerning the meaning of this parable, the Lord Jesus explained that the mysteries of the kingdom of God would not be understood by everyone. And Jesus refers to the secrets of the kingdom. The only time this word is used in the teachings of Jesus. Elsewhere in the New Testament, secret or mystery refers to the purpose and the plan of God, which he works out face by face in human history and through the church. So let's quickly go back to our Bibles and let's pick up with... Uh, Verse 9, the purpose of the parables. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now continuing with the scripture here, we have the parable of the sower, that's going to be explained. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in a time of temptation, fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who when they heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now I'm going to go back and pick up again some more with verses 9 and 10. Because the disciples were willing to trust and obey, they would be given the ability to understand the teachings of Christ. The issues of the problem of evil, suffering, and the delay of vindication will be resolved when God finally reveals his secret. The mystery or secret is only revealed by God's sovereign grace to his people. And Jesus purposely presented many truths in the form of parables so that those who had no real love for him would not understand so that seeing they may not they might not see and hearing they might not understand in one sense they saw and heard for instance they knew that jesus had talked about a sower and a seed but they did not understand the deeper meaning of the illustration they did not realize that their hearts were hard impotent and thorny soil and that they did not benefit from the word which they had heard now, regarding others, those outside the kingdom, Jesus quotes from Isaiah chapter 6 and utters a teaching in accord with the consistent principle in Scripture that those who fail to respond to a saving word from God will find that they are not only under judgment for rejecting what they've heard, but they are unable to understand further truth. For such, the very parable that reveals truth to some hides it from them. Well, the so that in verse 10 may be understood as indicating result, it more normally indicates a purpose. Now in verses 11 and 12, 
Only to the disciples did the Lord expound the parable. They had already accepted the teaching they had received, and so now they would be given more. Jesus explained that the seed is the word of God, the truth of God, God's own teaching. So Jesus now returns to the parable, explaining why the proclaimed word of God fails to bring a uniform response of faith. Luke's inclusion of the clause, so that they may not believe and be saved, reflects his intense concern regarding salvation. The devil intends to do everything possible to keep us from salvation. The wayward hearers heard the word, but only in a shallow, superficial way. It remained on the surface of their lives. And this made it easy for the devil, which is pictured by the birds of the air, snatching the seed away. And with that, I am going to stop there for now. We are running out of time. But next time, I'm going to get into more of the definition of the soils. So until next time, God bless you and keep living Christian strong.